one and all Fallout Podcast, episode 28, AK Season 4. It's 2022. Woo! But it's not really December 2021. I'm living in the future. Exactly. It's a fall assortment melange of all 525 songs in revelation of significant suzerain round the clock of fur lacerated into locales in the neighborhoods of 7785. 8693-9401-0217. Currently, we are in round one of the tournament where we will remain indefinitely. Tonight, fit and working again off Slate, Godbox, Oh Brother B-Side, Mr. Pharmacist, Birmingham School, a business school, last chance to turn around off, like user syndrome and middle class revolt of album of same name. Mountain energy up against no respects. Rev, he's got no chance. They shout, and joined as always by Mr. Pippington Biard, Rod Jane and Freddie enthusiast, literally dealing with the full moon in Taurus. What is going on? Well, I'm blown away by that intro, man. It's like some kind of Pythagorean number mysticism being rammed down my throat. I'm loving it, loving it, man. Lord Sage Temple, literally the smoothest man on earth in a terrifically snug vest. How goes it? Well, 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 well. <laughs> and the Pemberton Walker quite literally relaxing his way to an increased carbon footprint with every eased out poo. How are you? I'm, I'm uh, borrowing somebody else's carbon footprint by being beside the seaside this morning. So, um, splendid. Yeah. Sunny Southport. Tim. Um, not, so, not so sunny, no. Oh, well. But it is, it is a new year, though. So, thank God for that. And happy new year. Tim three, aka XDJ Formula Nose Jumpy, literally staggering both literally and megaphonically from the sixth ring into the fifth, aka Haslingdon, where the wrathful and sullen are punished for their sins. He will be transported on a boat by Fleegis, Dante, and Virgil to see the furious fighting on the surface of the river Styx. And myself, tree beards, quite literally, chur on sheer montree bread, willow tree beard bush. Egg emulsion sources and the egg does not coagulate. Um, so, this evening, before we go any further, let's take a detour into a futures and pasts where one of us talks at length, at great length, about an influence of the fall. Um, tonight, I, to celebrate this new year of 2022 or three, I'm doing the Yummy Fur, who are a Scottish indie rock band from the year 1992 to 1999, though they have reformed a couple of times recently. The band uh, had uh, mostly, it was a lead singer of John McKeown, John or Jackie, and a regularly changing lineup of other musicians, including the lad who would go on to play uh, for the country teasers in the drums, and two or maybe three members of Franz Ferdinand, including the main fella. Um, GDO John Peel liked him, he did some Peel sessions, and um, they uh, were described as scores of cartoon melodies under a minute long delivered at high velocity. And uh, they described themselves as the early hardcore gay sound of young Glasgow, which uh, I'm all for. Phil, if you don't mind, could you give us a blast of the first song, which is Colonel Blimp.
soft underbelly of the yummy fur. So, Ruby, if you, you come across these chaps, you can't like them, right? I have. Um, I think it was a mutual friend of ours, Chris Houston, who introduced me to them, probably uh, under your influence. But I remember him having some of the old yummy fur comics as well. I'm not quite sure where he got all of them from, because those are quite rare now. But yeah, it's, I, I totally, uh, totally enjoyed listening to this stuff. I remember that tune, actually. I was transported back to about uh, 1998 then, I think, when, uh, when I was listening to that then. It's been a, been a while since I've heard that. It's got one key kind of lead guitar. You can see that fall kind of influence in there. But it, it's a bit poppy. It's a bit more indie. Yeah, named after the, the fantastic uh, comic by Chester Brown, Yummy Fur, which is in itself well worth reading. They released mostly on Guided Missile Records. They had a, an album called Nightclub and Sexy World. And then that song came from the mini album Male Shadow at Three O'Clock, which is, I think that's the best one in my opinion. Like every track on there is, is uh, spot on. And if you don't mind, my next track is their cover of Fiery Jack by The Fall, which I didn't know they'd done. I was really surprised when I came across it. I'd never heard it before. They're calling themselves next week. And the weekend after that, we're going to be at the Phoenix Festival with uh, uh, live recordings, uh, you know, live performances from The Wedding Present and The Fall. Then on the Friday after that, the 21st of July, we've got Kanicki in session and The Yummy Fur. And The Yummy Fur, given the opportunity and a Fall song to work on, go like this. <laughs> They do a really good, a fairly top-notch job of that cover. Very few people can cover the fall well, and I think they nailed it. Al, what do you know of this band? Anything? Yeah, I remember listening to Peel and uh, hearing bits and bobs by them. Uh, never actually uh, ventured into purchasing anything by them, but uh, you know, the first tune you played me reminded me a little bit of Psycho Mafia and Guided Missile, shit up label. But yeah, the, the uh, Fire Jack, you know, speed it up. Fucking brilliant. Well done. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of wiry guitar is the the, the the biggest, clearest influence of the fall for me. It does sound like a lot of Dragnet era stuff. His lyrics are, are pretty good as well. He's a bit of a pro provocateur, kind of. He's always talking about prostitutes and hypodermic needles. That's basically every song talks about that. This is a song I'm, I'm not going to play, which is called uh, the, the Cross of St. Johnson Lion. Lyrics go, the earlier Christian guys walked softly. It was a disguise for Roman eyes. We cut to Spain, young St. Teresa, a burning arrow of love from God saying, let's get tough. But Dela Cruz faced Torquemada. He was more hardcore, but they got him on the floor. So through persecution, then seclusion and allogia, he whispered, see ya. And we say, don't think, don't ask. Everything you need, you'll find it in a hip. Ezra, did they, these chaps, did you know much about them? Have they tickled you? I was aware of the uh, the name, and I think the time that they were out and about would have been about the time that I was busy kind of astrally traveling up my bumhole, armed with a Popolver CD and a handful of mushrooms. So, yeah, I didn't get around to listening to them. 
But I listened to a few tracks in preparation for this, and I think they're fucking ace. It's brilliant. It's like blur for people who can read words. They're really, really fucking good. Two tracks which I listened to, there was one called, what is it, Mr. Policeman or O Policeman? Yeah, Policeman, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fucking fantastically savage and hilarious. And the other one was something like Death Disco, but it wasn't that. Why Can't We Have Throbbing Gristle in the Discotheque was the thrust of it. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, they get bonus points for writing about Torquemada as well. Fantastic band. Looking forward to hearing more. Aye, aye. So if anyone knows John, give him a bell. We'd love to get him on and uh, grill him about uh, Yamifer in the fall because uh, Paul was fantastic last uh, last week talking about Dawn of the Replicants and all that stuff. So um, the more of that, the better. So I think I'll wrap it up with the third song, which is my favourite of those off that same male shadow at three o'clock um, called The Canadian Flag. So if you play the first bit, Phil, for about 45 seconds, then skip forward to about 2.10 to my favourite bit. said that anybody who uses the uh, same vocal effects as the Mondasian Cybermen from Doctor Who could only be on a winner though. I don't think for the rest of my days I can get enough of hearing that song. I could play it every day on loop and never tire. Reminds me of Set is Real again by the Country Teasers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, it does. There's very, there's a lot of similarities. Mm. And then, so I know the lad, who, like I said, he went the drummer, the drummer from Country Teasers, but I don't know if the main lad, what's his name, the main singer? Ben Waller. Yeah, Ben Waller. I don't yeah. know if there's any connection between him and uh, John McKeon. I'm sure there'll be futures and past in the very, very um, soon future, if that's how you say it, about, about the Country Teasers. But that's it. That's yummy for Thanks for listening, champ. Let's move on to the main event. Up first, Fit and Working Again off Slate's EP, up against Godbox, which was a wonderful and frightening era. B-side of old brother. So can you give us a blast of, I'm fit and working again. <laughs>
floor is yours. What? Who's up? Hip. The floor is yours. Oh, yeah, that's how you said. Right. Okay. It was it was a bit garbled. You need to open your mouth a bit wider and you, and you talk you to quote Willy Wonka. Speak words. I've heard that before. <laughs> right. So um last night I finally got around to listening to the Gene Pitney version of a song that's coming up later on tonight, the uh, the last chance. And I was really struck at how um the original is a bit more of a pop power ballad, whereas the, the fall version is cabaretized, isn't it? Very cabaret in the way it delivers. And I think that's the first thing that struck me about this tune is the fact that it's very kind of Mark the Cabaret singer, isn't it, in terms of his delivery? I'm also rapidly coming to the conclusion that Slates is possibly the full masterpiece, not only in its contrarian nature of not being an LP or a single, but being something in between. I just think the arrangement on all of the tunes of of this slab of vinyl is absolutely incredible. The way everything comes together, the originality in the way the guitar is is used. The backing vocals, the charm and the sort of inventiveness of how, how they do things, as well as the subject matter, which I, I, think the, I think the lyrics are great in this tune. I think it's got a lot going for it. I think it, it just sums up everything that's incredible about the early period of the fall. And it's a bit of a high point for me. I think this is a great tune. Top, top. Alistair, how about you? Alistair, yeah, well, he said you. Man. Alistair, <laughs> you're next. Alistair, the floor is yours. Is it my go? Um, yeah, it's a, a nice upbeat chirpy little ditty which uh, breaks slates up a little bit from the dirge because there's a lot of like repetition and heavy drudgery going on with the uh, with some of the tunes on there quite like the uh, acoustic guitar on there it's quite interesting with the piano and it, it sounds a bit like the, the drummers using brushes so it's got like a bit of a skiffle punk vibe to it you've got the nice sort of like lead guitar electric guitar interjections in there which are nice simple slidey dead effective though but yeah i think i think with the old acoustic guitar brushes that kind of thing reminds me in a way of the violent femmes but that's a bit of a tenuous link at the end of it the high-pitched vocals are fit and working again but that's all uh, very amusing it's just pissy stuff so uh stangle tune blended ezra the floor is yours i said the floor is yours I will enjoy the floor. Yeah, this is such a fucking masterpiece. It's amazing. I love the fucking droning acoustic guitar part. Um, I love the fact that they get a piano in on the track and it sounds awesomely cheap and cheaply awesome. In the liner notes, they have a quote from a man called Rev George H. Lee. Religion costs much, but irreligion costs more. And again, we're back in the kind of zone of work. It's so interesting because the lyrics are kind of opaque on first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. 11th, 12th, blush, ad nauseum, outside of fit and working again, exactly what's he going on about? The great opinion is at most one stimulus reason. If you've got the most with the true brain sus, analysis is academic, some thoughts can get nauseous. Sat opposite a freak on a train, what's on his head and chin? Why was I getting so vain? And, you know, when I think of that quote, when I think of the lyrics, I suppose it's the idea of work as a kind of an enlightenment value that's cleaved the world into two parts. Work is something that creates suffering, which leads you to look down on others, is essentially a false moral. And then maybe it's being subverted within the song because he starts talking about eating eight sheets of blotter paper to get himself fit and working again. Now, I've got no idea what 
would be on that blotter paper. I've heard that it could be LSD and I'm sure that you'd be able to clean your room after eight sheets of that. Yeah, no, it's just fucking great. And all of that's just my weird hypotheses. So don't pay any attention if you don't understand or even if you do. That's right. I, I well understand. I am prepared to pay full attention because I think that's wise. And I think it's on the nose. I think Mark had a friend called Stephen who wants a song called Workers of Fall at a word. Saying England is mine and owes me a living. This is something that Mark kind of dug into a little bit here. He's fit and working and you imagine him striding down the street, like striding down the street with I'm fit and working again. But it hides a very dark <laughs> underbelly of the, I used to hang like a chandelier. My lungs encrusted in blood, but the flex is now cut clear. <laughs> it's like, that's a dark image, potentially. And I feel like Alan Minter, I just ate eight sheets of blotting paper. I chucked out the Arctic Celtics. It was like, he can't get out of bed, but he's medicating himself to the extent that he's out there and ready to just <laughs> run wild at whatever life is giving him. I don't know if it's a, a very healthy approach. Musically, it seems to fit in well more with grotesque than Slate. I think it would fit in with pay your rates and uh, English scheme a little bit more than Slate. But it does still sound really good on the record. I think, as, as you were saying, Phil, it, it's kind of um, more composed maybe than some of the early stuff. Piano, the acoustic, little interjection. There's even hints of backing vocals and stuff. It, it really does feel like there's a lot more detail going on. And I know I said yesterday I was a bit disappointed in it, but uh, <laughs> as always, I listened to it three more times and realized it was the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that old chestnut. Brilliant. What does Timothy think? What a great question. Let's tap into the Haslington Telegraph. Four things from New Digs in brief. Fit and working again seems to me to be a unique sound in the fall groups over an acoustic strummer with pinging guitar bits and tinkling piano with a monotone drawl and school kid backing box. It works a treat and perfectly fits into the track listing of the record it is from. Not the kind of track I think of when I think of the best fall tracks, but I wouldn't be without it. Well, 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 it seems like we've all got a little bit of a shine for this one. Why don't we have a look at what it's up against tonight, which is Godbox off the Old Brother B-side. What do you make of Godbot? Like, sorry, for a B-side, isn't it? You know, from what I know, it's about US TV preachers that they might have uh, encountered uh, whilst touring the States. The likes of Yelms, who uh, bought song by 
bong water. There's a little line in there, but I'd love to put a bullet into Jesse Elm's little pea brain. So it's by those types, you know, dodgy motherfuckers. Yeah, it starts with a, with a nice stacking in the TV, small care riffs in there. It's not top draw stuff. Moody sounding, standard drums. Guitar kind of takes a lead, but I think it gets a bit dull. It's all right. Duly noted. Ezra, how about you? Yeah, this was an interesting gothic dirge. I spent an, an inordinate amount... Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. I spent an inordinate. And of, let's go again from the top. Okay. I spent an inordinate amount of time looking for the documentary. I think it was a BBC documentary that Mark and Bricks fell asleep watching that inspired this song. It's called God in the Box, and I didn't find it. But yeah, musically, it was really redolent of a monk's tune, which might be shut up. The uh, verse, maybe, was really strongly reminding me of that. Narco tube stops, gimme God box, thousand evils indefinitely, womb shaped by a cold sea. At nine, UK time, we dropped off before God, box, documentary. The punctuation is mine, but I really love the womb shaped by a cold sea. We're kind of aligning our lyric love for the last... Two songs you've written down literally exactly the same lyrics that I were going to quote, but um, I think that's a good thing. What does Tim think? Fall, sounding from a great distance away with limp production lacking much impact. Listen down the tunnel of naff 80s drums, though, and you've got a cracking song. Something gothy about it, long leather jackets and lead pants. A little wishy-washy somehow, but better than a bunch of album tracks from this time. I'd like to track down some bootlegs of this one. Oh, I wish him luck. <laughs> I like the noise collage at the beginning, but it is quite, it's a bit too gothy for me. Reminds me of Susie and the Banshees or something like a poppy goth song. But I think the way Smith kind of delivers it, gives it, I don't think it's intentional, gives it this kind of Gregorian chant. Feel this kind of, it does feel kind of like a religious comment in the way he d delivers. And as always, we give Smith the benefit of the doubt. So that is what he meant. It doesn't quite take off. It's got that that plucked twangy bass we were talking about yesterday. I feel like I think they kind of like bop. The tax man or star, that kind of effect. Hanley's trying something, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Apparently, it's an early brick song. It's one of the first brick songs she brought. And Mark kind of rewrote it. Something linked on the annotated fall where he talks about God boxes. It's not really criticizing those shows. It's it's about the opium of the masses. And remember that opium of the masses phrase, which I always interpreted the Mark's thing as is basically, you know, a drug that keeps people under control. I think it was Vonnegut that was describing it. It wasn't that. It was more like a paracetamol. It was more like a balm. It was more like something soothing. The opiate of the masses, religion being it's something that gets you through the day. It's something that helps you. It's not something, it's not a negative thing, which I found really interesting. And it seems like Smith's suggesting that the God box thing isn't necessarily a bad thing, even though I do think he's taking the piss out of the, of the people that the scammers and the evangelicals talks about the guy who was singing just like me. And in one interview, he says, I saw this man and he had my voice and he sang exactly like I do. He had bell-bottom pants and a jacket that was too short and an Afro haircut, a mustache and he was dead fat. Behind him was a red-haired lad in a red jumpsuit holding one of those braces you own, your spine's broken and he's dancing around, obviously after being cured, waving it behind the singer with my voice. It took a while for it to sink in. It is just like it's brilliant dream logic that also could have happened. Still, I go on. Phil, what do you make of Godbot? I, I see where Ezra was going with the monk kind of link. I, I went on a bit of a different path with it because it starts off with that 
untuned radio noise that he's playing around with. But he gets something going. Do you remember the um, the Stuart Lee routine where he's talking about his uncle's love of crisps, that he likes all the crisps? He's uh, He's got all the crisps in his cupboard, and as you open the cupboard, there's all the crisps, there, all the flavours of crisps. He loves all the flavours of crisps. Plain. He likes all the crisps. But when he talks about the routine, the thing that he zones in on is that sibilance that you get when you say the word crisps over and over again. And Murphy Smith does the same thing with God Box. He gets the same sibilance with Box at the end and the way that he keeps, the way that he does when he does his cut-up lyrics and he plays around with where it lands in the meter of the tune. He has a similar effect. And then I thought, well, is that what he's getting out of the start with the tuning in, with that noise and the way that he plays with the noise and then you've got this vocal noise that keeps repeating. So I thought that was really interesting. And I, I, I think it's a really strong hook, the God box with the bang, bang riff that they, that they introduce into it. In the verse, what it really reminded me of was... Um, Set the controls for the heart and soul by Pink Floyd. I, I think it's very, very similarly constructed. That I went on some really weird tangents with that, and I ended up listening to this quite a lot and thinking that whilst I do take what Tim Free was saying about the um, the production and that it suffers a little bit from that flatness. I think there's some very interesting creative stuff going on with with this tune. So it's interesting that it's, it's a, a bricks contribution that. Smith who was playing with and I, I really like this I think intellectually I rate it quite highly as, a, as an art piece as an intellectual yes mm. the working class intellectual oh yes something to be um, how about we take a vote what do you think Al I'm f- working again nice Ezra fit working again easy me fit and working again Phil uh, I really like Godbox but uh, I, I think uh, I'm going to go for fit and work. It's a transit, isn't it? Your boys are taking a hell of a beating. What does Tim say? Yeah, fit and working again, please. All right, that's done. It's a done deal. Next up is one of their famousest covers and earliest ones, Mr. Pharmacist of Ben Sinister, the year of our Lord, 1986. <laughs> video is so fucking random love it great video didn't ask you to play anymore because the people at home wouldn't be able to see it there's a bit where it says it is windy on the sign and lee barry just does this really fake fall onto his face <laughs> and mark helps him up it's a very funny video um ezra you're up first what do you make of mr pharmacist yeah well it's a very very fantastic tune obviously it's a cover i haven't heard the original but it doesn't sound like they're really taking any liberties with it which is what you might want to hear but the video is just fucking brilliant um i love the way that all of the shots of the band playing even the ones that have been staged for the video are just completely out of fucking sync fucking hilarious and then you have some shots over like mark just kind of bobbing around in the studio probably just ranting shit at people and you've got these great intertitles like uh silent movie style which 
amount to a song within themselves. I, I wrote them down just before we started. Their clothes are black. Their life is black. Creative theft is vacuous, topical. And nowadays, excuse, a half-baked pursuit. It is windy. All vitamin B12. And, well, you know, I mean, if you won't shed a tear to that, what will you shed a tear to? I don't know. Heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, there's this clip where, where you can see the two guitarists and they're both just strumming and there's like, there's the guitar lead solo playing over the top. And it's trying to work out the first time. It's like, which one of them is playing this solo? But uh, it's just the magic of video editing, I think. What does Tim think of uh, M Pharmacist Esquire? So he has screamed into the abyss. Fun cover version that I've heard way too many times, but don't hurt. I like the dancing old guy in the video. So Kieran Mellon, who's on the old brother, and, he, and they asked him if he ever played Mr. Famous, and he said, oh, only every night. He said basically he was in every set list for like the series he was with the band, and they'd always play at like Last Orders. So it's off Nuggets, which again, we should do it. Futures and Pass off on, on Nuggets, like, you know, and Pebbles and all that stuff sooner rather than later. I think the best thing about it is that video, Lee Barry wandering around the Joker hysterical face. It's a functional cover of a decent song. Steve Hanley looks like that cop off Life in Mars in the video. Uh, Bricks is taking it very seriously. I love her for it. I'm just watching in the students. This is it. This is it. And you know, I can't, you can't fold that passion to the to this uh, this fairly functional <laughs> cover. But you know, nice in and of itself. What about uh, Phil Rigby? I, I love this. I don't think the 12 bars, 12 bar blues has ever sounded any better than this. It's um, It's a perfect pick for the fall as a tune, isn't it? It's got everything. It's, it's got punk. It's got psychedelia. It's what's, what's the lyric? It's got a delicate kick about it. It's like hand in glove. It's lobster on telephone, isn't it? It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, that video is just amazing. It's There's so much going on in that that it's very difficult to process in one sitting. I hadn't put two and two together. It was Lee Bowery either, which is another bizarre rabbit hole to kind of go down, isn't it, with all this stuff. It's incredible as well. I know it, it we're going for so long life but it's it's strange to see all the tentacles that uh, that they link into and the different bits of art scenery that they were kind of attached to as well i adore this tune i think it's fab i can't remember who did the original it did remind me of a few things in terms of um great bands who are remembered for the cover versions do you know what i mean it's like out of all the tunes that the beatles did i think the, the biggest thing that they ever did was Twist and Shout, which mm. is a cover version, do you know what I mean? Or, or, or the iconic cover versions like that. And it also reminded me of The Mummies and that, that whole scene of, of punk, but kind of reinvented and reinvigorated in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, which I was introduced to through uh, through Al and Maximum Rock and Roll and all that kind of stuff. So, which again is probably another Futures and Past to, to pick up on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the band was called The Other Half, it was on the, the Snuggets accomplished came out in 66 but i don't know anymore how do you concur with the good man philip rigby about those points yeah it's a bit kind of garagey phil himself did it in the little idiot joy band that we did for uh, mr paul static's um record shop day thing a couple of years back and it's a hell of a lot of fun to play but yeah like i said it's, it's a garagey stomp and it's all about uh, visiting the chemist shop for some synatogen and maybe some water eaters and uh, maybe some powder to cure his athletes like you know but yeah top tune and, and we're happy to report that the athlete was cured only a, a few years later so that's good on that bombshell shall we move on to what it's up against the birmingham school of business school 
of Code Selfish, circa Before you get to rip this one to shreds, our friend Tim Three gets to go first because them's the rules. What does he think? So he has said messy samples and cheesy dance bits. Wow, 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 wow. It's all looking good until Mark comes in and sounds bored as fuck. And the music doesn't really go anywhere. It's like a quite densely layered chunk of nothing at all. Bland. I, I like the intro, the tape bub and the bells. I like the sequence bells. I love the synth kind of like woodbot kind of clave sound and the bed of sound. I even like some of the wonky guitar riff. I'm going to let you deal with it. The guitar, Philip, as the resident rock and roller here. I like those arpeggiated kind of charming synths and deadpan uh, Smith. I like that he has a go at Taylorism gone awry. I think there's a lot of social commentary in these songs tonight, interestingly enough. Let me tell you, about scientific management and the theft of its concealment. You've, have you written these ones down as well, Ezra? No doubt. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I won't read them all then. We have a web so magnificent, disguised in the art of conceit, give a very firm handshake and take the bastards for everything that they rate. Great lyrics, very funny. There's a lot to love about it the more I got into it. Because at first I did just think it was super bland. It took me about four or five lessons and I was, uh, I think there's a lot of charm to it. But Phil, you've held back long enough. <laughs> Let us have it. But, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how to deal with this song, to be totally honest with you. Because the, the opening guitar gambit is quite interesting, where he's using the artificial harmonics on the on the, the lower strings to kind of create a riff, which I thought was quite interesting. And it worked with everything else that was going on. You've got Mark doing his down the microphone, which, which I loved, and this strange sample of church bells. And it's, you know... Quite evocative of Birmingham city centre. I thought it was, it was quite good at that. And then what the fuck is Scanlon thinking when he drops into this fucking pub rock blues guitar John Squire Seahorse's bullshit in the middle of the fucking song? Where he's just, it's like awful, awful blues shitness that if, if we were in a band and I played that, all three of you would walk up to me and slap me in the face. Right, and you would be totally entitled to do it because it's fucking goddamn awful. And because of that, it's put me in a compromised position with regards to voting on these songs. That's all I'm going to say. Well, actually, now you mention terrible guitar solos, I've got a, I've got a song I'd like to play for you from circa 1993. <laughs> no, I don't, but... Um, <laughs> I think we managed to escape that, mostly. Who's up next? Who goes after Phil? Alistair, have you told us what you think about this? 
I don't think you have, have you? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I quite like the, the church bells thing. It sounds like it's been recorded by Smithy on a dictaphone or something like that. But there's a bit of an indie dance crossover vibe going on it with the uh, funky drums and guitar solo kind of thing. The harmonics are okay. Didn't mind them with the guitar. Did remind me a bit of U2, though, in a way. You know, with it, if you had a different kind of production on it, it could be a bit kind of rattle and hum or something, you know. In, in another way, it reminds me quite a bit of something, again, you fast automatic daffodils, I think I mentioned them before, like, you know. But yeah, a functional blues guitar solo on it, like, but yeah, that's it, it is a bit poor though, isn't it? But I love the, the wah, 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 that's all, that's, that's fantastic. They, they should just do that all the way through the song. But yeah, some of the other vocals on it are very kind of low-key, but they've got a nice kind of aloof quality, uh, which, you know, there's great delivery with it I think my favourite bit on it is the, the noise at the end I, I don't mind it I'm, I'm, and I quite like the title it's, a, it's a amusing I'd like to know where we came up with the title for it yeah and he does that thing where he puts the, the same word in twice like the Mark Smith's Guide to Writing Guide which he, he liked but very Kent Arthur Strong aye and there's a link there isn't Graham Duff I think it was made with Mark and wrote that that book they just released last year which was that horror kind of book whatever it's called he's he either produces or writes on the card kind of Arthur Strong because I've seen his posted some stuff on Facebook. So it's open. It's there. There's a link. It shouldn't pass. Ezra, what do you make of the BSOBS? I'm glad that I don't play the guitar or listen to you too. I mean, I do hit guitars from time to time, but I never think about things like blues or U2. And I'm really, really so pleased I don't because maybe they might spoil my ardent love this piece of music not only has it got one of the best titles any song has ever had ever the birmingham school of business school which just makes me smile every time i think of it it starts off with these like kind of wobbly shitly recorded church bells then you've got marky smith impersonating a didgeridoo the sound of it in general reminds me it makes me think what if new order decided that they were really into bitches brew (laughs) and they wanted to sound like Miles Davis because I imagine that's probably what would go out and I'm not going to say that's a good thing or a bad thing but I think it's a great exercise in imagination on the part of the fall and and the lyrics are just fucking top-notch you know like despotic prisoner robotics home to the wife Stepford case carrying business school and I love the way that when he says case carrying it sounds like case carrion it's just fucking brilliant. Good, good. It's very generous to say it's New Order meets Bitches Brew. But, you know, I do like it. It's charmed its way into my heart. So let's take a vote. As Phil said, I've got a couple of people in the room who are steadfast against voting covers through to the extent that I'd even say they're spoiling the entire competition with their, with their insolence. No, you gotta, you got to go with your, with your own nuggets, right? I, I'm going for the Birmingham School. Phil, what about you? I'm I'm going to check my nuggets. Sorry, you've just sent me on a bit of a thing there about the bells because it, it reminds me when I was growing up, there's a church called St. John's in Pemberton that don't have a peel of bells supply on a, on a Sunday morning and they've got a tape recording and some Sunday mornings we used to hear the peel of bells slipping where the tape would warp. It's an old memory I've not thought of for a long, long time. Beautiful. We can use that. We should put that in the play. We should do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I cannot 
as a guitarist in good conscience, but for a song that has that awful part of guitar. Putting the cover through. I'm putting the cover through. I bought him for Mr. Pharmacist. It's done. It's happened. That's what me nuggets are saying. What does Tim think? It's a great question, Brandon. I guess I should tune in. I don't what he said. Fuck ethics and help me out today, Mr. Pharmacist. Good Lord. It's going through. It's not, though, is it? It's not, though, because Alistair, against his, better, against his better judgment, he's going to put Birmingham School through. Alistair, which one are you going for? Well, against my better judgment, I'm going to put business school through. Um, <laughs> I thought as much. I knew but, it. But flexible and uh, incapable of, of uh, changing my stance on, uh, on anything whatsoever. I admire that in you, Alistair. Now it means not, not only does my choice go through on a technicality, but it, it uh, means that um, Phil's going to have to listen to it several more times. Ezra, uh, do the honours. Do you want to push it over the line? Or are you going to surprise us? I'm dreadfully excited about the exciting developments at the Birmingham School of Business School. Applying for Olympics again and again. All right, so it goes through. There's a pavement link there as well, isn't there, with spirals? Is it spirals? Yeah, his is called Preston uh, School of Industry, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a direct uh, rip. A strange song to be inspired by, in my opinion. Especially as a guitarist. It's actually of that era, one of the ones I hear like most kind of love given to off that album it's kind of the, the standout for many chaps but not you i, I appreciate you know you, you've got a little bit of a, a thing there but don't worry you'll get plenty more chances to listen to it so we're going for last chance to turn around off light user syndrome it's a gene pitney cover Who's going to say a song? A cover had a chance of going through. I want to pick this one, but it's got a chance. It's bloody marvelous. I'm going first. It's my turn. So it's very much in the line of Succession Man, which I also loved. Very cheesy, wonderful. I think it's all Julia Adamson by this era doing all that stuff. And at first, I thought it was Bricks doing those backing vocals, but the more I listen, I think it is Julia Adamson doing all those backing vocals as well. The instrumentation just doesn't fit together. It's so out of tune and out, out, out of sync and out of time. Sounds like a cut price Dexy's Midnight Runners. Very similar to Tell Me When My Light Turns Green, which I love. And I love it. I love the song. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Top draw. Well done, The Fall. But what do you think, Phil? So I, it took me a couple of listens to realise it was a cover. 
because I was there was a bit of me thinking in Serge Gainsbourg mode, really, and thinking, oh, this is quite an interesting song for, for Marky Smith to come out with. It's quite complicated in its arrangement. It's got like sort of bridges and pre-choruses and stuff like that, which is uh, not his usual mode of attack on these things. And then after a couple of listeners thinking, oh, this must be a cover. This must be a cover. There's no way he would come out with lyrics like this. And then the more that I listened to it, as, as well as, the, and I, I was on the Secession Man thing as well, because I, I think we all had a bit of love for that when it was, when we reviewed it. And uh, I, I certainly had those lenses on when I was thinking about it. More and more, the brass synths just sounded a bit out of place for me and a bit too cheesy, a bit too grating. And then as I was, as I, as I carried on deconstructing it, what the fuck is going on with the bass in this song? What it is so out of time and so randomly awkward in places that it just started sticking out more and more as I was listening to it. And there's bits where he nails it and there's bits where he's all over the play, like really just missing changes and, and bum notes here and there. And it wasn't too long before he left after this, was it? I think he did another album, didn't he? And that was it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it, to me, where Secession Man works and it all comes together and it fits together into something where the sum is more, way more glorious than the number of its parts, this, to me, I, I could see all the moving bits in it and it, it doesn't gel. And um, it was a bit like Inglorious Bastards, the Tarantino film for me, which I love all the sections in that, but it doesn't quite come together to me as a whole. And that was that was my take on this. Or the cabaret, the cabaretization, cabaretization? How do we, how do we say that? Um, I don't accept either. I, I, I love that and that almost made it a winner for me, but in, no. It's a bit too kind of not been cooked in the oven long enough for me. Liz. Fair enough. I mean, I think Succession Man is, is a simple tune, and so maybe Hanley got it quicker. I think the amount of stuff going on here, and in, in, you know, he was only given 10 minutes to kind of work it out, probably. <laughs> After <laughs> Julie Addison has spent like a month doing all this synths and stuff, it was like, all right, we're doing this. Have you have you got any of the chords? Oh, you'll you'll get it. You'll be all right. <laughs> he listens through once, and then he's got to record. I, I I did think it doesn't really play to his strengths as a bassist because he's a groove player, and this isn't a groove song. This is it. It's it's more of an arranged melodic bass line that he needs to be playing to. So yeah, the thought did occur. Hi, Alistair. What's this one do for you? It's all right. Yeah, um, kind of funny. And I do like uh, stuff that's kind of funny. Sounds like there's a lot of energy going into it. The keyboard sound is hilarious. I can only imagine what it would be like going on tour playing this every night because it's just so bad. It's good, like, but you're just kind of like, oh, man, not again. Uh, but, yeah, um, Viva Last Press Witch. Nice. Ezra? Yeah, this was a massive unexpected treat for me i mean with all due respect to julia adamson i don't think it took her a month to dial up brass <laughs> on a yamaha <laughs> 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 um but, but it's, so fantastic. <laughs> it's so fantastic i'll allow it's it it's got the drums I love. It, it sounds like they're operating on two or three different planes of existence within one song. Um, I don't think the Shags could have done better. The, the kind of errant backing vocals and like the fact that Barky Smith seems to forget the words in one of the verses and just go, zoo-ba-doo, 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 zoo-ba-doo. it's a fucking masterpiece. I mean, come on. 
Fucking great, man. It's a obsession, man. I don't think the Shags could have done better. What kind of... That's so bizarre, twisted insult, that, isn't it? It's knowing the guy's... Knowing the next guy's track record, I don't think he's going to see it as a classic. What does Timothy think? The guy's track record. Right. Or the guy's big record. Uh, right. <laughs> Last chance to turn around there and listen to those horns. Says it all, really. Hey, what can we do to make this not sound totally shit? I know. Horns and Space Invader samples. Dreadful. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it as much. <laughs> It's got to be tight. All right. Have we all said something? Let's move on to Middle Class Revolt, MCR, off the album of the very, very same name. Titular, as you might even say. how this was a big chart hit. Alistair, oh, he's not there. Ezra, what do you make of this tune by The Fall? Well, I mean, the production sucks balls, basically. I mean, it's terribly kind of all stuck in the mid-range and it just sounds like a big hodgepodge. Mark's vocal delivery, I know that he sometimes gets stick from my fellow podcastees on sounding like he's phoning it in. Usually I like his kind of glazed over ones but this one was a little bit overglazed but given the subject matter maybe that's exactly how it was supposed to be the lyrics are pretty interesting i really like the the final part extremely lazy exhumes the cooked pigeon his words indignant because it was cooked wrong middle class revolt you know i mean i really wanted to find appeal session or a live version because i feel like there's some kind of promise in the song that isn't realized on the album but i didn't get around to it unfortunately i shall listen interestingly to whether anyone in the room agrees or disagrees with what you just said ezra and first i'm going to ask tim three his opinions you're on the ball today aren't you right the best thing about this record is the cover with the dudes with impossibly spread legs of a diamond share and that's not particularly good. This is meandering and disinterested pop. Well, some agreement and some disagreement. How about you, Philip? What about this for you? Given the trouncing you just gave to the previous song. I agree with everything that Ezra has just said, because um, the production is very bland and sort of everything set in the centre. But I've I've got a big dose of nostalgia for this album, as I've, as I've said before. So I, I do like listening to the tracks of it. And I think there are some interesting things going on with it. It's funny, New Order's been mentioned a couple of times tonight, and this really reminded me of New Order, this track. I think it's even his vocal delivery is almost Bernard Sumner-esque. I really like the guitar on it. I think it's buried 
in the mix. But if you if you can listen to it and the way that that and the keyboard play off each other, they make each other, they play around each other. I think that's quite interesting, and it's um, I, I think it's it's worth giving a bit of time to. And I I do think it gets a decent sense of momentum going as a tune. But as as Ezra's already pointed out, it's the fact that it lacks any relief. And its arrangement and its production, which is it's, it's why it suffers a bit. But I do think there's some really interesting stuff buried in it, and it is worth giving a bit of time to. But I, I do take all the criticisms on the chin, which I think are all warranted. Hi, right. Alistair, what about Middle Class Revolt for you? Uh, it's all right, start slow. Uh, kind of keys lead in it, synthy stuff. Lots of snow going on. It's not out of place, though. Dead repetitive bass. Uh, picks up as it goes along. Guitar quite subtle at times, uh, but, get, you know, it's quite high-intensity rhythm, which, you know, it's quite effective. I'd love to have heard it with more guitar and slightly less synth. Um, vocal delivery is quite laid back. It's okay. <laughs> 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 You're right there, son. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a total sucker for resolving the uh, the, the flattened fifth in riffs and tunes, and, and I, I I love the way that that's pulled off in this. I think it's a it's a great harmonic technique to introduce in, in music, and it's uh, it's done really well in this. Shame it's bad. The, the whole kind of uh, tune, or just it reminds me of uh, a TV theme tune, something like Crime Watch or something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, but it, there's, yeah. there's that kind of concept with it. Uh, right, this area where they were they were getting used on things like Match of the Day as well, weren't they, for like montages and stuff? So starting to come into this era, they just had a, quite a few pretty big like charty kind of hits. You, you've all nailed it. Is that flat? mix and there's definitely some interesting stuff going on in there but why they chose that kind of flat mix along with a song that doesn't really do anything so and pretty generic riffs on everything nothing really jumps out delivery i don't mind and i get i, I take the new order thing as well a little bit like his lyrics as always adults clods middle class revolts b1's hostile d2's d1's bump into each other and jolt so he's talking about like um social classes and the you know the kind of letters that advertisers and, and another demographic searches will give to people, such as A is the upper middle class and uh, C two is the skilled working class and so on. You know, I went into some of the interviews around it that you know there's oft there's often some little hints and links on the annotated fault. So I followed some of those this week. I had a bit of time and one of these um, people go on about Europe and how great it is and they say get rid of the monarchy. We have the middle class in charge. You've got the germs for a real evil society. People forget the SS weren't skinhead thugs. They were doctors and lawyers. Guys with a grudge. Give me the queen any day. I don't know. We might need a couple of hours to dig into the to, to how much of that is, uh, is uh, factually accurate. To what extent and that's not my wheelhouse but i do like you know his kind of take on this idea and and i don't know whether it was pure coincidence but i got the urge to watch if the uh lindsay anderson malcolm mcdowell film which is a satire on british public schools in which uh you know he does there is a revolt it's more of an upper class revolt, I guess. But uh, I enjoyed that if you haven't watched it. I like the bouncy synth bass in that. I think that was the only kind of thing that really uh, I kind of hooked onto after a few listens, uh, which may or may not actually be the maybe I was making stuff up. But it is time, I believe, to take a vote. So last chance to turn around versus middle class revolt. Alistair, which one are you going for? Um, doing the usual inflexible thing and we're going for middle class revolts. I, re I respect that commitment to the cause. Philip, you let's should. get... No, no, I don't really. I'm just saying that. 
Uh, Philip, what are you? Uh, what are you going for? I'm going for those resolve flat and fifths of middle class revolt. Oh la la! Sadly, it looks like Tim is also going for that, or is he? Mm-hmm. Fuck them both into the bin. <gasps> oh good lord! <laughs> Who could have thought of this? All right, now, now we'll really see the men from the boys, won't we? Okay, so. I don't know if he's given them both zeros, so I'm not going to actually call this this time as the last two times I've been wrong. But here's what we do. I'm assuming, Ezra, that you are going to put... Well, you know what? I won't talk for you. I won't be that person. Ezra, what are you putting through? Well, middle-class revolt has arguably got some more interesting subject matter, but it doesn't pop. And so I'm going for the last chance to turn around. So we have two versus two. So we're going to the fingers. Up to three fingers. We've had some controversy about the rules of this game, but up to three fingers for this song. You can give it three, two, one, or zero. And you could give both songs three if you so desired. So, fingers aloft for last chance to turn around. We've got seven plus whatever Peely gives it. And, Tim. yeah, you see, oh yeah, rest in peace, Tim. <laughs> and, Middle class revolt, fingers aloft, gentlemen. Oh, oh, three, four, five, six, seven for middle class revolt. So it looks like it's going through if if Tim scores them both zero, but who knows? Maybe he will uh, err on one or the other. So um, we'll tell you next week what went through, but actually we'll probably forget because the last two times that's happened, I haven't told you, but whatever. You'll still find out sooner or do you want later. Me to send a, do you want me to send a psychic link to him? No. See if you can. Maybe we'll get that info before the end of the show. And while that's happening, let's move on. The fourth matchup, which is Mountain Energy off the Real New Fall LP, so an album that we have now had, I think, five in a row, and all four um, so far have gone through. Mountain Energy, and it's up against No Respects Rev off Remit. Back round to you first. 
What does Mountain Energy do for you? We've had a, a huge amount of country on the click, formerly Real New Hall P. Like I said, this is the fifth week in a row we've had one of the songs and we've put all four through so far. And, and spoiler, there might even be one next week. <laughs> what are the odds? It's uh, <laughs> It can continue for me. I, I, I think this is a gem. I think this is this is really really good. I, I, there's there's loads about this that I I really enjoy. I, I think the the opening is fantastic. I think the way that they construct the entire track is is well worth paying attention to. There's all kinds of interesting stuff going on. I think it's a really good performance and production makes the record um, pop in the way that the last one didn't. I I love that Hanley esque bass kind of churn that all goes all the way through the record and the, the stupid dirgy chant voices that they use that then gets uh, contrasted with that sort of sweet harmony backing vocal that comes in um, some great touches the the tremolo guitar and other little bits and bobs that they drop in um, and I think the words are, are amazing it, it starts off with this you know, juxtaposition between Lord Byron and Dolly Parton and, and going for mortgages and and then slips into this sort of Taoist Zen chorus. I, I, I just, I love it. And it, this is one of the tunes that I loved the first time I listened to this album as well. It really jumped out at me and I ended up listening to this one a few times in a row. I think. Hi, it is very beautiful. Alistair, does this do out for yourself? Yeah, it's really good. I, I completely agree with Mr. T- Pepton Beard with some of the stuff about the uh, just the writing of it. Yeah, there's some great structure, the way that like stuff drops in and drops out. Reminds me a hell of a lot of The Passenger by uh, Stiggy Pop. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like monksy uh, in some respects. I think it's mainly the drums that remind me of that. But I do like the, uh, the simple... Tom Snur kind of thing that are going that's going on with it. Do you know what? I'd, I'd have liked to have heard some recorders on there. Do you know, like uh, to sort of like go with the backing vocals. Uh, I think that might have worked. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. It's a really good tune. Uh, but yeah, country on the click is is bloody fantastic. So uh, it's to be expected. Aye, Ezra. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it it's. To me, like, uh, kind of, it's uh, very much a kind of, um, care, kind of, uh, giggy, ray, kind of, care, kind of, glitter, care, kind of thing going on with the band, care, and there's no wrong with that whatsoever. Um, and, and, you know, like, with both this song and the next one, listening to them, I was just left thinking, you know, it was really Elena or Eleni Blue who just brought so much like luminescence to the fall in this kind of period. Like both this track and the next are just, and not to disparage the other players by any means at all, but she just brings it to the next level with the fucking excellent, excellent synth stuff going on. And yeah, it's very beautiful, I've got to say. Absolutely. What does Timothy think? Doesn't quite maintain the level of brilliance we've seen on the other RNFLP tracks in recent weeks, but this is still really good stuff. I like the space in the recording, the simple pounding drums and bass line, and the sizzly clean and tremolo mashed guitar that really punches through. I also love the wide spectrum of the backing vocals too, sound like something you'd hear in choral work in a weird way. <clears throat> I think the only thing that lets it this one down are a bit of the lyrics which are a bit oddball, and I find it a bit annoying in a way that is hard to explain. They're esoteric. 
But that's not something that normally puts off. No, he doesn't like that stuff. He doesn't like that stuff. I've been reading Plato and it upset him a lot. He's a meat and potatoes man, really, at the end of the day. Two veg. That's all I want. Keep it simple. veg. Stop faffing about. Yeah, I, I think I wrote in the, the glam beats and the moody riff and that, that low uh, kind of like voice sound that's coming in, which I don't think it's a keyboard. I think it's someone just gurgling into the mic. I looked at these two songs back to back, Middle Class Revolt, going into Main Energy, and they're, they're a decade apart. And it's like, I know there was not a linear path between, but you can imagine that just everything, they're almost doing the same thing, but everything is better on, on the second one. It, there's more space. There's a little bit more movement. The instrumentation kind of comes together. Everything I didn't like about Middle Class Revolt, the kind of flat mix and how everything was hidden, has kind of been flipped on this. It's every all the little bits are kind of there to kind of explore. I'm going to ignore the fact that one of the people in the room is giving me a, a very puzzling look, and I'm going to do what they call on the internet, gaslight him and not let him share what he's feeling until I finish talking. Come on, Phil. Come on. What's wrong with what it's I just almost, said? It's almost like you're saying that, that, that it's different, but the same. <laughs> Dear Dope, if you want to catch us, you need a rod and a line signed the fish. But I, I, I did kind of that one a little bit annoying. But these idea, these mi mini little poems, just a couple of lines about the flow of energy. And again, giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's connected to all these different ways that energy flows in his block. And looking at it that way, I really, really liked it a lot. Beautiful. So everyone, totally lost where I'm up to now. Has anyone not said anything about my energy yet? Moving on. <laughs> no respect. No respects. Where you help are you used to doing this? If you don't, if you don't speak up, you don't get to say. My list says you've all said something. I have no idea what any of it was, but uh, uh, no respects, Rev, off uh, Remit. Seamless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bingo, we got a Lovecraftian reference in the Alistair. What about this little wing nut? Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice. It's, it's interesting going about things in, in a quite a different way from the, the, the last tune that we're listening to. It's a very garagey guitar, reminding me a bit of a US 90s garage punk band called The Makers. A bit psychotic reaction as well, like I thought with the rhythm. It gets really fun towards the end, a bit of like a noy, canny, crouty, rocky. Uh, if you're allowed to say that um, kind of sound to it 
uh, in some funny backing vocals with the uh, Smithy doing some crazy laughing at the end. So not a great deal to, to sort of um, disapprove of. It's, it's an all right effort, yeah. Now I can only say I went to quite a lot of record fairs and markets in my time in Germany and they all had Krautrock baskets. They're telling me it's okay. Aye, aye, Ezra, no respects, Rev. Yeah, you know, for me, these two, it's the hardest choice of the night because I think they're both fucking pretty flawless. I really enjoyed reading up on this one because apparently, possibly is not correct, but apparently it may have been a track that they were paid to record for possible inclusion on the um, Twilight teen vampire shagging in the woods trilogy or whatever it was. It's fucking great. You know, this should be in a film. And in this interview that he did with The Independent, where he's talking about this song, there's just it, there's this quote that he, he gives the uh, journalist, which is just magnificent. I presume they're in a pub, because where else would they be? Horror, I'll tell you about horror. The horror is some guy like him gesturing at some young fella over yonder, wandering through a forest with his eyes glazed. And I was like... God fucking damn it, you've just nailed it again, you cunt. You've just nailed it again. That's absolutely what the horror is. I I can only salute that. And yeah, you know, I mean, maybe the start isn't quite as, you know, perfect as it could be, but it really kind of gets into this fantastic noy groove and then he just starts bugging out and you've, you've got these like kind of multi-tracked vocal parts of shrieks and laughter and some really really excellent lyrics so like i love the uh, one where he's like respects going around reverberating in eldritch and neon the georgioso's realm the god and the dashed in eldritch and neon fantastic if he didn't have that on his gravestone i'm gonna have that on my gravestone <laughs> what more could you ask for yeah very good if I do nothing else for you as you approach the end of your life, I will make sure that happens. Uh, <laughs> what does Tim think of this? Uh, a jangly and twangly sound that the latter day band always did quite well with some grumbly Smith stones and some nice synth squelches and burbles. I like the drum break and the total tonal shift about halfway through, and the song is a real showcase for the way Mark sifted his vocal tone, shifted his vocal tone, sorry, around a lot in those later days. The only misstep for me is the guitar that comes in and jams out two chords over everything for the last bit. It seems a bit heavy-handed and overly prominent in the mix. The last vocal multi-track bit is glorious, though, and justifies it all. Really damn good track. And one I've mostly forgotten. Yeah. So Remit have, is definitely one of the albums I've listened to least. And the, the tracks that popped up so far haven't inspired me to, to dig too deep in it. And this, the first three minutes, I'm like, it's as bad as Kick the Can. It's like this really jangly, generic kind of like sub part. And then it clicks into that noise groove. And I'm like, I see. It's pretty good. And then I think we've all one by one said no, like independent more or less of each other, which is pretty remarkable. And it's great. And so it's like, I was saying to you, there was another song I thought, I think it might be Auto Chip, I was saying, more. one of those where it takes about three or four minutes to get going. And if you chop that bit off, extended the last two minutes into like four or five, this would be an absolute stormer. Um, but yeah, really like it. Has the, the, I wrote, generic indie vastly outstays its welcome. And then, this is amazing. 
Um, so what do I know? What about you, Phil? You like this? Well, it's it's one of his better Tommy Cooper impressions to start it off, isn't it? So hopes were high. I thought we were uh, we we're going to get treated to Tommy Cooper all the way through it, but that seems to sort of dissipate. And um, I, I so I've been the contrarian one today, and I? it's uh, I, I've I've not written Noi Doyen, but I'm I'm listening to a lot of seventies European music at the moment. So I wrote Euro Prog Doyen in uh, in my reference to it, but yeah, not really anything else to say that you haven't already said about this. The start's a bit anemic, and then it kicks in about halfway through, and that <laughs> ending with him just laughing down the mic microphone and swamping it with reverb is, is great it shouldn't really work stuff like that but it it, it it does work perfectly yeah nice mixture of psychedelic and psycho and sweet yeah. well let's take a vote and then we'll we'll get back to to tim's points from the earlier one so ezra which way are you going with this one mountain or no respects this was as i say a close one but in eldritch and neon really scored it for me so i'm going with no respects for him Interesting, a very interesting choice. Alistair? And it's a bit of a question. Did it, um, Ezra, did you mention that it was used in Twilight or something like that? The- it was going to be. I mean, what, what I read is that they were basically paid to do a track for possible inclusion on Twilight. So they insisted on getting paid. And it seems like it could have been this track or another track. But either way, they got paid and it didn't get in the film. So... No, no, I just find it amusing because uh, I don't know much about Twilight, but uh, what I do know of it is it's, it's necro-bestiality, isn't it? It's uh, about some uh, young girl who's uh, deciding whether or not to get off with a wolf or a bat. So, yeah, that's, that's quite amusing. But yeah, I'm going to score a mm, Lots of equal. So All right, so we've got a lot of cop-outs this evening. Alistair's putting them equal. If that's not too harsh a uh, way to describe that. Ezra's gone for no respect. I meant to go on that, that website that you've mentioned before. It talks about how many times they've used the words because it, ah, it didn't yeah. really take 36 years to get around to using the word Eldritch. It is a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's a good one. And his, his Lovecraft references come thick and fast, and that's a word that, that uh, Howard dropped in every other sentence <laughs> so twice <laughs> uh, so yeah i wonder if there's some specific reason why you decided to drop it in right there yeah but it's not it's not swear me it's mountain energy for me yeah similar for me mountain energy so it's two to one at the moment is tim gonna um gonna equal them up or is he gonna push it over the line no respects for me <sighs> We're going to another vote. You have to get him back on the on the on the velophone. All right, we're voting fingers up, champs, for Mountain Energy. We've got a we've got a three, six, three, six, nine. That's an eleven. Oh, that's that's high. And fingers up for no respects, Rev. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it's it's not close in the end. Um, and uh, uh, but if he goes a three zero, if Tim goes three zero, he does pull them level. And I don't know what we do next. All right, so we'll see. We'll get back to you on the <laughs> listeners once again. <laughs> we'll tell you soon what the purpose of this podcast is. Um, cliffhanger, cliffhanger, isn't it? So, but look, we can answer. He's which come way back did on he... the other one. He's come back on, on the other one. Give me, he's, 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 it's one point for middle class revolts. Okay, nil point last chance okay so that takes middle class revolt to nine and puts last chance at seven so uh the cover did not go through 
middle-class revolt has gone I've, through. I've sent a psychic telegram to him asking about the last one, but he's obviously been distracted by a small owl. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. We've gone long, longer than usual, but, um, you know, that's what our thing, isn't it? So tonight, Fit and Working Again goes through Birmingham School, a business school, middle-class revolt, and... It's either going to be mate and energy or no respects forever. We'll get back to you on this one. So I hope you had a great new year, everyone. Had and or have. Next week, Alistair's brother's going to pop up, which is delightful. He was in the year above me at college. He's a nice guy and he likes rock and roll. So what more can you ask for? Then after that, we'll have the Christmas party. Probably. We'll see. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Make it easy, chaps. Bye. <laughs>